there's also no exclamation marks or emojis in it, so it sounds really serious. And I realised after writing, I was like, we're recording this. If you want to be in it, send your thoughts here, ASAP. I love when you do social media. I apologise for anyone that read that tweet and thought there was an emergency that required <laughs> you to send a message as soon as possible. Warning, this episode contains spoilers for the whole of season two of The Umbrella Academy. Just a heads up, this episode contains discussion about racism, discrimination and police brutality. Hello and welcome to Brolly Buddies, the podcast in which we discuss the Netflix adaptation of The Umbrella Academy, episode by episode, with me, Mia. And me, Josh. And what are we doing today, Josh? (laughs) I'm out of you had practice. one job. You had one job. I'm out of practice. I had, I had a week off from it, and I've forgotten everything. Today we're discussing episode three of season two, the Swedish job. Yes, yes, we are. Um, they're better at their job than I am at mine, <laughs> and they're pretty shit. If we're honest, they are quite shit. They get a whole episode named after them, and they are in I don't know uh, what proportion of the episode it is, but it is small, and they are not successful in it. They fail to shoot someone. In a normal car, <laughs> driving away. I mean, I play Fortnite. Stop, let your crosshairs settle back in, and then take your shot. Mm-hmm. If you keep running and shooting, mate, you're going to miss. Play this some video is, games. This is the same complaint we had of Hazel and Chartar as well, though. We were like, they're actually pretty shit as assassins. It's because normally they're just going after normal people who aren't suspecting them. Anyway, before we look at the synopsis, let's listen back to our predictions for this episode after you watched episode two for the very first time. Okay, we've just watched episode two, uh, the Frank Frankel footage. Ooh, lordy. Okay, there was a lot in this one. I'm glad that they've, we've seen them start to come together. Yeah. Thoughts moving forwards. I mean, Diego is not dead. Five is going to probably find him and then... I mean, They'll stitch him up. They'll always do a thing, I think, where they have them damaged in some way because otherwise they're like a team of superheroes and it's very hard to have any sort of tension. Whereas if he's got damaged muscles or core, or whatever you want to call it, for like a few episodes, it means that he's more vulnerable and that creates more tension and it means that he's going to be protected. Do you think it's it's Reg who actually ends up like stitching him up? Because he does all his... He's got his little medical... You know, that's that's no. the thing that he does, isn't it? I think it's going to be five finds him and they stitch him up somewhere. Um, what do you think of the Swedes? Do you think they're ever going to speak? No, I think it's one of those, like, classic... I feel like there's a thing in TV where, like, you have, like, some sort of creepy, pale, blonde person who never speaks. Mm-hmm. And it's not only, like, they're Scandinavian in some way or quote-unquote foreign. Um, but, yeah, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm thinking... Do you think... When do you think Vanya and Sissy are going to kiss? <laughs> Episode five. Okay. Who do you think is going to meet up in the next episode? Alison and Klaus. Alison and Klaus. We'll see. We will see. Let's go, let's go, let's watch it. Bye. We had one prediction, right? That Alison and Klaus would meet up? Yeah. You thought Agnes were going to stitch him up? I didn't... Okay, look. I didn't necessarily think that would happen. I just threw it out there as a possibility. So you, th- I thought episode, did you think episode five or I said episode five? You said episode in five, Fanya and Sissy will kiss. Is that right or not? I can't remember. Let's not worry, let's not worry, let's not worry. So uh, listeners, did I get it right or not? <laughs> Tweet us. Shall we talk about the synopsis for this episode? Yeah, you read it out. All right, okay. Do your voice. As the sit-in approaches, Alison reconnects with Klaus. The Swedes chase Vanya into a cornfield. Luther makes a distressing discovery. I mean, it describes the first 10 minutes or so, which is pretty good as far as synopses go, I guess. But it does not hint. Um, I mean, the chase into the cornfield does not really cover <laughs> the majority. I mean, where's the, where's the tuna mould? I mean, honestly, that is one where's of the, the sex scene? The centrepieces of the episode. Where's Klaus and Dave? I'll give you an 8 out of 10 writer. So, cool, good synopsis, covers... Some of the main things that happen. It's all right. It's good. It's not a spoilery one. I'll give no, it's that. not. And I don't but think it's an option. The Klaus and Dave be. thing should have been mentioned. I don't know. It's kind of because it's... <clears throat> Example. Klaus reconnects with part of his past. Oh, Klaus reconnects with his future. Mm. There we go. I've given you that one for free. <laughs> should we send it into Netflix? See what they say. 
Might get a new side hustle going on. On that note, should we go with how this episode starts? Before we get into it, our Spyro account for the episode. Josh, what did you get? Did you forget? (laughs) No, I just didn't see any. You didn't see any? No. I got two. We've both... We both screw that one up equally then, I reckon. Why? What? I don't know. But equally bad there. Potentially. Equally as bad, both of us. All right, Josh. I think that you are trying to shift some of your unobservance onto me there. I, I got one. Did you? You just said you didn't get any. Well, I don't know if it counts. It's the spare of the fellas hold him when he breaks the record. No, that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that does count. From now on, I'm going to refer to Harlan as the fella. The fella. Our little fella. Unfortunately, I did not get any fart jokes this episode. No. Honestly, I'm fine with that. I think they're going to more than make up for it later, so... Um, and quick quick touch on the title, The Swedish Job, which presumably is a reference to The Italian Job. But why would it be a reference to The Italian Job? Why, why is it called The Swedish Job, otherwise? I don't know, but there's no, nothing that occurs in this episode... Relates to the Italian job in any way, shape or form. I know, but it's a very classic like episode titling. I don't know, they have a van. <laughs> sure they don't drive it half of a cliff and it's not filled with gold, but... Yeah, and there's no minis. There's no bank heist. Yeah, but it's like, a, it's, it's, a, it's a job. It's a crimey job. No, I don't, believe, I don't know I'm, why it's called I'm, the Swedish job, but it's not to do with the Italian job. It's not like because it's about the Italian job. This... But you'd only reference the Italian job if, there was a, if it was appropriate. Right, listeners, we're going to need you to settle this one for us. Is it a reference to the Italian job? No, it's not. Are you looking it up? We'll see if there's else to do with Swedish job. There isn't. I don't know why it's called that. The Swedish job. Let's look on IMDb. I think they just couldn't think of a name. Well, yeah, but they've obviously taken the name from the Italian but job. But why would they do that? Are the rest of the films, are the rest of the episodes about... named after a film? No, but they're named after other... They've they've got other references in them. All right, Den of Geek. The Swedish Job is likely a reference to the classic 60s action film and its 2003 remake, The Italian Job. But why? What do you mean, why? Why would you reference... Why anything? They just like putting in references to things. Why not not call it fucking The Swedish Avengers, then? (laughs) Ah, Swedish Avengers Assemble. The Swedes Assemble. That's a good one for you. That's a better one. I could have called it that, yeah. But it would have made, that would have made more sense, if anything, because it's by assembling the fucking group of super. <laughs> Once again, Josh, I'm going to say to you, let's, you know, feel free to write into Netflix, write into Steve Blackman. I'm sorry, there's no reason. If there is a reference to the Italian job, that is the late... Uh, what reference can you do? I don't know, I watched Italian job last night. A good film on that. Oh, we'll do that one then, yeah, yeah. Good one. What should we call the next one, like Ocean Swedes or something? Yeah, Swedish, Swedish 11. Swedish 11, yeah, yeah. Good call that. What are the films you've been watching recently? Then I watched Moana. Sweet Anna. <laughs> What's the fucking point? Oh, if we're just doing this now, just put Swedish in a fucking... There we go. Listeners, please, give us your Swedish your Swedish films. <laughs> your Swedish film references. Because clearly that's the world we're living in now. What would it have been? What would it have been about... Give us, give us every episode from this season with uh, as, as film references to... Sweden or not? I don't know. No, sure. I don't give a shit anymore because it's clearly we're, we're playing we're playing fast and loose with any form of reality. To... Playing fast and furious with any form oh. of reality. Oh. <laughs> right, okay, let's move on now. So, the uh, episode begins. He blew the bloody doors off, didn't he? No, he didn't. <laughs> Sorry, so I'm going to let it go now. In a restaurant. He's eating. I it's in the restaurant. Yeah, but so clear. he smells right. Mm-hmm. Is, that, is that what it is? He smells so they tell him to get out. Yeah, also presumably he hasn't paid for it. My, my, one of my... Yeah, but when's he meant to have paid for it? They've kicked him out before he can pay. Well, no, but this was my question as well, right? Is like, how long do you think this is after he's landed? Like, this could be a while. Like, he might have been, like, knocking around for a while, scrounging food. He hasn't showered. He's, like, been there for a few days, maybe, and he's, like... And also there were, like, two plates of food on the table, which I thought was interesting. I was like, has he just gone and sat down at, like, someone else's seat? I don't know. Or have they served sense, him? And that would then... make more sense if he was eating leftovers. Yeah, it with feels that in, like that vibe. With that in mind, though, if he's smelly enough to get kicked out of a restaurant, why does this old lady... I don't understand why she's well into him. I don't know. I mean, I also love Klaus's reaction, though. Like, <laughs> when he's on the floor and he's just like, Chanel. Oh, Chanel, that's it. <laughs> great, great eye there for the designer. So the vibe that I got 
she reminded me of a very you know in Gilmore Girls like you know Emily's like D.A.R like that kind of vibe and I was like is it because she's looking at him and assumes slash knows that he's a vet and he is like oh this poor war hero I must look after him or is she just like oh toy boy or what is it I don't know I think it meant to be toy boy <sighs> I don't know it's weird yeah it's a mystery yeah let me get where he levitates or does he he doesn't levitate no, he doesn't at all. Which is, I think we talked about this a bit before in our full episode thing, but this is a, a nod to Klaus in the comics where he does have the power of levitation. And maybe at some point he will again in this. I don't think he will, though. No. But what we do get is a, a metaphor. Klaus is literally carried by Ben. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of true, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Do you know the other thing with this, though, is how does Klaus get away with seemingly having magical powers of some kind or like mystical powers and they're not like what the hell is this you know the fbi come and lock him up to do experiments on him or people think he's a witch or something because he's not because it's not the 1800s it's the 60s all right yeah i know it's because it's all like it's like david blaine doesn't get locked up everyone probably just thinks he's doing a cool magic trick that's why i remember he did that In a cube. Yeah, and I just remember, I remember when that happened and a bunch of people started shining laser pens on him and he thought he was getting sniped. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, yeah, fine. I'm going to lock myself in a cube for two weeks. Yeah, I guess they just think it's a magic trick of some sort because he has that vibe. Okay, fine, fine. But so this is his whole cult origin story montage. Then he's slowly getting more miserable, the more attention he has. yeah. I like how we see Kichi again, though. Also, just want to like really appreciate that really nice like match cut where he falls, and then it cuts to him like to a year ahead, and he's on the van. Very nice, very nice editing work there. Um, I knew what that word meant. I also know film. <laughs> I know that the Italian job is a bad reference point for this. Oh my god, you're never gonna let it go. It's not me that named it the Swedish job, Josh. Nope. Anyway, do you think he's trying to replace his family with this cult? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I, they I are not so. a good replacement. That, and also he thinks he will enjoy having like that wealth and that power and the adoration. Especially given that most of his family like, have rejected him for so long. Yeah, exactly. But we also see then when he's in, in the scene of him in India, I think that's the first time we see his new tattoos. Maybe? It might not be. So... Klaus's new tattoo is a, a Thai temple and the as was revealed on Instagram by the makeup artist or one of the makeup artists and designers the writing on it so it's Thai like script on it and it it reads UA like Umbrella Academy Klaus loves Dave oh so beautiful it's really lucky that Klaus didn't fall victim to um I, I doubt that he can read it himself. <laughs> that, that someone wasn't just like, I'll just tattoo him with like Whatever. some nonsense. So this is also, I think, maybe when we find out that his cult slash alternative spiritual community are called Destiny's Children. This is clearly Klaus taking inspiration from the iconic Destiny's Child. How in this timeline do you think this affects the naming of Destiny's Child in the future? Maybe that's the reason they called that. I mean, maybe. No, like, you know, like bands like reference some sort of obscure thing. Yeah. Right, they're referencing an obscure cult. Obscure. Yeah, I guess it is. Yeah, okay. It's only only not obscure because we're watching the show. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Or maybe they don't. Maybe they, in this alternate timeline, they have a different name. Fitz. Sibling. (laughs) And then this, as this scene sort of closes off, we get the uh, Umbrella Academy logo and title with a lovely murmuration of birds forming an umbrella shape in the sky. Is it sparrows? Who knows? Lila. Mm-hmm. That's like soldering iron in dirty air go up. Oh my God. It's very gory. Got stabbed. I know, but like we, co- we go from that straight to like close up of gory wound without warning. It's nothing gorier. And a man taking advantage of people to further his own ambitions and creating a cult. 
you know, you are so wise, Josh. And five returns separate to them. This is what I noticed this time around. Mm -hmm. Jumping back to the thing. So Lila went and got Diego separately. I didn't really twig the first time. I assumed that five had found him as well. And then like Lila had come and got them and they all went back together. But five turns up completely separately. Mm -hmm. Didn't give a shit, did he? It's a bit of a knobhead sometimes, isn't he? Yeah, he is. There's a lot of hostility between Five and Lila as well. There is a lot of hostility. Where do you think that comes from? Is it just like Five is a little shit? Because Lila's kind of hostile to everyone. I think he's like, well, no, isn't he a bit like there's someone not right about her? He didn't trust yeah. her, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got good instincts. He's got. He's a 70-year-old man. Whatever it is, 60-year-old man or whatever. <laughs> he's honed his instincts. You know, working with psychopaths and assassins and stuff. Yeah. I mean, their banter is fun, though, as well. It's like it's like fun, hostile banter rather than just, like, aggression. Well, that's what you think. For now. Other important question here, though. Diego does ask where his clothes are. Is he fully naked? Did Lila strip him? Yeah. He's got a towel over his knob. Good God. I feel like that was unnecessary. Well, I think, well, we were trying to check for other wounds. What happens if he had loads of others? I mean, I feel like she would have seen it. Like, if she, even if she took everything look, else Look, she wanted off. to look at his willy, all right? <laughs> And it'd have been weird if she just pulled it down to his knees and had a quick peek and pulled it back up again. At least this way she can pretend it's medical. Oh, God. Oh, I'm very uncomfortable with that. She might have looked at Elliot's as well. He's tied up and asleep. Poor Elliot. Maybe she's looking at everyone except five because that'd be weird. I've just had so many poor Elliot moments in this episode. I love Elliot so much. I think he might be my new Agnes, like in a very different kind of way. You just like the underdog. I like the little side characters that people are not too bothered about, but who are great but yeah, we got a lot of revelations about Lila this episode, but um, we are learning more and more about her with this, which is good. So then we get Vanya, which has got another nice little musical moment. Did you notice this? I don't know what the song's called, but I noticed it has all the things that happened in the past. Yeah. It's mentioned amongst other things. It's, I think the song is, I don't care what they say about you. Or maybe that's just a line from it. I'm not sure. But um, yeah, the line is, all the things that happened in the past are forgotten and you're mine at last. Yeah, so that song's playing. It's very fitting. It's, as we've said before, it's this whole new slate that Vanya's got. She is, she can't remember anything in the past. And that is leaving her free to... Uh, get shot. Get shot? Ah. Get shot at. By the Ikea Mafia. <laughs> as they're later called. This kind of reminded me as well, it sort of foreshadows the later police slash FBI, like roadblock that happens when they're... Yeah, it does. Trying to get away. I actually um, got them mixed up. I I got mixed up about when she did the... That said exploding on that. Mm-hmm. I got mixed up about when that happened. I thought that happened at the car, but it's when she's in the cornfield. Yeah. There's some really fun facts about this cornfield as well. Do you know that's all a real cornfield that they grew specifically for the show? I didn't know that, but I imagine the, <laughs> uh, the produce that they produced was able to offset the cost of filming slightly. Yeah, hopefully yeah especially seeing as they destroyed part of it but no there's like there's you know there's people where whose whose livelihood or part of their livelihood anyway is like doing things like this for for sets for like films and tv shows it's really cool it's really interesting it's not something you usually hear a lot about but they talk about it in um one of the behind the scenes episodes like the netflix behind the scenes umbrella academy podcast which is really cool definitely recommend listening to it but after listening to us after us of course we have much more authority to talk about at all um (laughs) but uh yeah i love this whole scene for me it reminds me of both a really intense thriller but also me playing Fortnite (laughs) and like running off to hide in bushes and cornfields as people try and shoot me it's great imagine if there were a game where the entire thing was just a giant car that's a shit game (laughs) Go on, tell me more about this shit game. Just a giant cornfield. You okay. have to run around and find people and then run off. What do you do when you find... Is it like tag? It's is like it... TIG. Okay. But you can't see anyone. It's like it's VR. She's running through corn and then you might stumble across someone and it's like a shock because you're not showing you're going to stumble across them. You have to TIG them and run off again. Oh, that sounds horrible. I would get so emotion sickness. Sick? What? I don't understand. Imagine a game where you get a proper shock. You're like, oh shit. Like Hello Neighbour. Yeah. Yeah, there's a multiplayer version of that. Where oh, one of you is the creepy neighbour <gasps> and the rest of you are kids and you have to figure out who's who and you're like trying to hide from it. It's like hide and seek. Hide and seek slash like mafia or something. That sounds really cool. 
Yeah, as you said before as well, the Swedes are very bad shots. Yeah, like they stop and they're like, like she's literally doing lots of shots, and it's just like she's just driving. You mean while she's still in the car? Yeah, she's driving in that. They never managed. They managed to. They smashed the wind after about ten seconds of shooting. Where were their shots going? The wind is a very big target. Do you think they've just got like old-fashioned guns that they just like the look of, but are actually really inefficient? I mean, maybe. I can't remember what. Maybe guns they don't really using. like killing people. They just like to go around and hope they do it by accident. Maybe. Though they did kill that woman. They did murder a lovely cat-owning woman and put her head in the freezer. So. What ah. happened to the body? Did they eat it? Maybe. Did the cats eat it? It's unclear. It might be in another appliance. Might <laughs> eat the body. Anyway, that's the last episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, yeah, when they catch up to her, she goes, a white violin, right? Mm-hmm. Like, stops the bullet. And in doing so, you don't see it now, but she creates a big crop circle. She does. This is like the baby version of Vanya in episode one when we see her, like, stopping that shell. It's coming at her, you know, in the big yeah, like, yeah. montage. It's like the small, like, so it's cool. And she discovers her powers. Oh, and also, obviously, spoilers, but Harlan later on does the same thing. In the crop circle? Not in the crop circle, but I mean stopping the bullet. I had a question about that, which is Vanya always has, like, drawn her power from or, like, channeled it through sound. Is she, like, using the sound of the gunshot or is it just the things around her or is it not? relevant at this point i don't know i'm curious i don't know i assumed it was the sound of the bullet that she Mm. was able to manipulate or whatever but or she was using sound to push it back it's a pressure wave yeah sound is just pressure waves right so she's able to like create a channel of sound out i don't know i don't understand physics luther starts we see luther running right leaves his little weird Thing. You didn't see any um, sparrows up there now, have you? Not yet. I assumed no. I'd see some, you know, and I haven't. I, I, never, I didn't see any, did I? But, you know, I couldn't. I assumed I'd see some by this point. But anyway, he goes running and then he decks it when he thinks he sees <laughs> Alison. Question. Was it actually Alison? Was it actually Emmy Raver Lampman? The first, like, what, yeah, when he actually looks the first time and sees her, yeah. that's, that is Emmy Raver Lampman. Yeah, yeah. And then it's like, it's a different woman. Yeah, it's weird, is that? Do you know what's the weirdest thing about it, though? Why does Luther see this woman and think, oh, it's Alison, when he has no idea what Alison looks like at this point in time? Like, his image of oh, Alison looks very Jack different Jack and he's to doing that. this regularly every time he sees somebody who isn't white, basically. He's just yeah. like, oh. Yeah, pretty much. Ah, a bit of racism there, Luther. Mm-hmm. You know what? You are a dipshit. <laughs> that kid is all of us. <laughs> Particularly all of us in season one, just like, you're a dipshit. Sorry, everyone who likes Luther... We're not hating on him that no, much. No, he's fine. But in, in this, this case, that is a dodgy thing to do, though, right? If yeah. he, he sees, you know, a black woman, he's meeting like, oh, Alison. Mm-hmm. So, in all fairness to him, she is wearing that dress when we next see her. Yeah, but I think the woman was wearing a different dress. No, it's the same dress. Like, when it was actually Emmy Rover Lampman, she was wearing that dress. Yeah. Okay, I don't know. I'm, uh... It's the same dress, I'm sure it is. But he doesn't know that anyway. Whatever, it's fine. Maybe he has some kind of weird premonition power that we've not discovered yet. So we go back to Vanya, who seems to have stayed in his cornfield all night. A lot of time to uh, think about what happened. Try and process it. Also, I guess she can't go anywhere because she trashed the car, which is not her car. I say she did it. It was the Swedes, but still. I, I just really noticed in this bit, partly because like when she's obviously sat, kind of still semi-hiding in the corn and five like comes through and um you know parts the cord in front of her and looks much bigger than her but then actually when they're walking together i was just struck again by how Aiden gallagher is maybe taller than ellen page oh yeah he is um, i noticed that ellen um, page is very very small she is but yeah i love uh we get that really great shot of the essential crop circle love the idea that, like, Vanya started crop circles. Because also, it all ties it... There's so many other, like, alien things in this, like, Reg being basically some kind of alien and Elliot being super into all these alien conspiracy theories and stuff. So, yeah, I think... I, I feel like Elliot would really enjoy that if he found out about it. Do you find it weird how she seems to go along with him? I kind of do. Actually, like, a child. This isn't just like an, like an adult turns up. It's like a child turns up. 
And he just goes along with him as, he's, as, as he kind of explains everything. Yeah, like later as well, when she's talking to Sissy, she's like, oh, my younger brother, I found my younger brother. She doesn't even know at this point that he's not, which is, is fair because it would be kind of like overload. But um, she doesn't even know that he's actually, that five is an old man and a young body, but also that they originally were the same age because they were all born on the same day. That. Mm. Right, anyway. Jack Ruby? Showing that costume up. Doesn't like sequins, does he? No. Do you know who did like sequins? Dolores. Remember her? The mannequin. I was thinking Dolores Umbridge. I was like, fucking hell, what? <laughs> I'm, I'm not with it. She was, nah, she was more about frills and bows and things. But, you know, maybe also sequins. Um, he's clearly such a father figure to Luther in this. Mm-hmm. An office to help him find Alison. For selfish reasons. For selfish reasons, yeah, but uh, <laughs> do you think, like, I get, and we kind of get this later, that they all thought all the others were dead or that they were the only one. But has he seriously gone all this time not even trying to find any of the others? Well, and he I, did. He kept going back to the alley. Did he? Yeah, because I mean, he's like this big bloke who keeps coming back and crying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I know, but that's not really, like, that's a bit shit. He's not, he's not the smartest fucking, he's not the sharpest tool in the shed, is he? <laughs> He didn't have anybody to tell him what to do. So he's like, I'll just keep going back to where I started. Yeah, that's true. And like, also fair, I guess, you know, it's he's now met Five and Vanya. So now he's like, maybe it's really possible. You might have thought but, he was the one that ended up back there. Yeah. You've got to remember that he wasn't aware. Like, he might be like, oh, everyone else has fucked off and I'm, str- I'm stuck in this time period. Yeah. In oh. the city. It wasn't the city where they started. No, that's true. Well, fairness to him, I wouldn't look. I'd look around, but if I was like him in that situation, I'd be like, fuck it, I'm fucking, I'm knackered now. I'm stuck in 1960-odd. Yeah, I guess so. I enjoyed the little nod to the fact that they have a really weird relationship and it's the whole romance thing. Yeah, because it's like, you've got the same surname, so she must be your ex, right? Because if she's your sister, like, why, you know, what is the other relationship here? Yeah, literally turns up at the house and he's like, oh, no, she's my sister. It's weird. Mm-hmm. Um, Alison goes to see Klaus. I put here, she, I think it's the same dress the woman wore in this scene. Mm. I think it's the same dress that Luther thought he saw her wearing, but also wasn't her. Maybe. It's a really nice reunion scene. Music's really happy. Oh, it's so nice. There's such joy there. I think Emmy and Rob in this scene are, I don't know, it just feels like they have such genuine, like, chemistry with each other. And, and I really buy it. I really buy it, and I like that a lot. I like that they have their kind of sweet sibling banter, like when Alison says that she's married, and Klaus is like, oh, what lunatic is that? But in, a, in that really, like, loving way. Mm-hmm. It's very sweet. And, I mean, those two don't have any problems with each other like some of the others do, and they've both spent two to three years thinking that they were the only ones left. Um, and it's just such a different scene from, like, Luther and Five... Who else has seen each other? Luther and Vanya, but obviously Vanya didn't know who Luther was. So it's really nice. It's a really nice moment. It is. It's also really nice that she's able to, she talks about um, liking who she is without using her powers and earning mm-hmm. stuff. And I think that's a really nice, it's the, yeah, it's that, we've talked about the different trajectories the characters took or take. And I think that's a really nice one to see, especially given what happens at the end of the episode. It's very uh, appropriate. So also, we've talked about all the reasons that Alison doesn't use her powers, but kind of forgetting that one of them... <laughs> I think I think there's a good reminder here of the kind of trauma of the fact that the last time she tried to use her power, her sister cut her throat and then she couldn't speak for a year. Pretty big incentive to, <laughs> to not try and like go back to that place. It's a really good point. But yeah, I think you also see Klaus kind of reflecting a lot, I think, on what she said here about having earned everything that she's got. And, like, built up this life. Which he just scammed. Yeah. Do you think that has any impact on, like, motivating him? I know he came back to Dallas to see Dave, but do you think also speaking to Alison kind of spurred him to go and do it at all? I don't know. Sad to say, to be honest with you, with Klaus, in it. Yeah. So, next. Cut to Red Heels. It's the handler. Checking her head wound. I liked her very Lady Hale spider brooch. Lady Hale being the 
president of the Supreme Court of the UK. And she was like, no, Boris Johnson, you can't shut down Parliament for no reason, just so that you can push through loads of shitty laws. Fuck you. I, I may have paraphrased a little bit. She was a spider brooch. Um, brooch. Brooch. I always call them brooches. <laughs> I mean, that is how it's spelled, so... It's also spelled brooch. Brooch. Oh, like if you pronounce it as brooch, like soot. Or book. Yeah. But yeah, so, so the hand has got this big red spider brooch, which is very appropriate for her. And she has the whole thing, doesn't she, in this bit about tapping on the glass and fish don't like it. Mm-hmm. She knows all about what fish like and don't like, don't she? Mm-hmm. When we first watched this, I thought that this was something related to AJ. But no, it's just, just it fish. It kind of is. I feel like it might do. Does she? I'm trying to remember, does she tap on the glass later on? Probably. But anyway, what does she whisper to the kid that makes him piss himself? That's my question. I would love, I would love answers on a postcard. What is the handler saying to him? Hashtag what the handler said. Tell us what you think she said. What would be your guess? I'm going to chop your knob off. <laughs> if you're at that age and this woman just said, I'm going to chop your knob off, you little fuck, you'd be like, whoa! Maybe she just actually was like, and made like loads of water noises that made him just need a wee. And then he was embarrassed and ran away. So you're thinking nice. I'm thinking <laughs> she was proper vicious. No, she definitely was. She would definitely said something like sickening. I'm going to drown you and your mother. And then you're going to feed you to this fish. Mm-hmm. So... We go back to Odessa's beauty salon and this meeting of the civil rights group. And I like this because, again, we see Alison's leadership qualities and, like, really stepping in to, to fill that space, which obviously she kind of is always doing, but usually it's, it's all Ray. It's nice to see her hold that space really well. And, like, we've talked about it before, but she wasn't ever really given the chance to do this before. But she's clearly very good at it. And it's also... Nice to see Odessa, like, really supporting her and backing her up. Do you think there was sexism? Yes. Yeah. I do. And you get that little line as well where, you know, she has the little behind every man line, which is that, like, behind every... Man is a great woman. Yeah. But, um, so obviously, Alison earlier told Klaus about... Ray being in... Oh, also, can we just go back to when, when Klaus was like, yeah, man, we did time together. Did you, Klaus? Did you? Is that what happened there? Were you doing time together? And also that Alison wasn't even like, oh, what did you do? She's just like, yeah, Klaus is up to some fuckery again. Like, don't even need to know. It's not important. Well, she kind of knew that it was around at that point, didn't she? Because that's mm. how she... She didn't know that he was in... No, that's in, true. It was just his supporter. But yeah, we got to the police station with Ugh. Ben... It's an interesting way of doing it, isn't it? Ben playing these tricks on the... I'm like, it. who let him out? Actually, that shows, though, how the, the law wasn't being followed to make these things. Because mm-hmm. otherwise you'd have to go through the courts and everything. Yeah, yeah. It was, all, it was all... There were no real charges or anything. They were just doing it because they could. But I loved... Yeah, I loved what Ben did. It felt very Matilda. You know, like when, when she's doing all those things to the trench ball. Yeah. Pressing his fingers into the sandwich. Amazing. They're kind of lucky that the sergeant didn't go in and, like accuse Ray of witchcraft or something. Mm. Could have really backfired, could that? Oh, Josh, it's not the 1600s, it's the 60s, I think is what you said to me earlier when I said the witch thing. Yeah, because of the big difference. One is like, oh, this bloke's levitating in front of me, he's doing something with wires or whatever. And the other one is this person who I'm already like prejudiced against because of racism and white supremacy and who I'd probably accuse of being a devil worshipper or something just because... Something to do with them is now putting ghost fingerprints in my food and typing stuff right in front of me, and I know there's no one here. Yeah, well, that's kind of what I was getting at. I don't, earlier I don't as think well. it witchcraft so much as like devil worship. Yeah, but that's that's kind of what I was getting at earlier as well. I guess like another thing to highlight that class is very much protected by one, like the wealth of this woman who, for whatever mad reason, has like taken him in, but also all his other privilege of like being a a white American man. Yeah. But yeah, it works, which is great. You know when Klaus is like, I've got friends in high places. Why don't you use them? I was thinking that. But was he saying it as like a double reference? So like Ray thinks he means like the governor, whereas actually he's like the conceptual dead in Yeah, heaven. I think so, yeah. Okay. So Klaus, you can't just tell someone you're their brother-in-law and then walk away. Come on. Yeah, you can. I think that's all right. I think that's a good move. <laughs> all right, I'm your new brother-in-law. Barbecues are going to be weird. Bye. 
I don't want to deal with the fallout of this statement. Mm -hmm. So now we have that scene with Five basically doing a little summary of season one to Vanya. And yeah, I don't know. She she is very willing to accept what he says. Apart from the apocalypse bit. Where she's like, nah, people are, other people other than me are at risk now. Yeah, but which is really interesting. This whole thing is... I kind of get, like, part of it is maybe, you know, subconsciously she knows that this stuff is true, but also she she doesn't know how she got there. She's got no other explanation for what's going on. And also she just used some powers and had some Swedes chasing her. And she's like, I guess this could all be real. But I like how it mirrors in season one. Like this is the same thing that happens. Five goes to Vanya and tells her the world's going to end in eight days. Exactly the same thing here. World's going to end in eight days. Oh, is it the same time? Yeah. And again, it's like that apocalypse point where it's like, no, what? But this time, yeah, she's got people that she cares about and who care about her. Obviously, she cares about her family, but this is very different. There's, like, mutual acceptance and love with Sissy and Harlan. Yeah. So she immediately goes to call them, and that is so nice. So this is the only time I thought I saw a sparrow, which is Harlan playing with a sparrow toy. Which then made me wonder. Mm. Spoilers. But Sparrow Academy, because he has that toy throughout the series, right? Is he responsible for the Sparrow Academy? Is he, oh, is he a villain in the future called the Sparrow and the Sparrow Academy come together to take him down? I don't know. Could be. Let's get to that when we do our final episode. Yeah, I also wanted to say, I think it's interesting, obviously, like, Harlan doesn't speak, but he obviously has... He has, like, he has a relationship to music and to sound in a very specific way. And I think that's one of the things that he and Vanya have as like a thematic link, if that makes sense. All her power comes through her, comes through sound and is something that's going to come into play later on in the season and potentially past that as well. But I just thought it was interesting to note. I thought it was interesting to note that Sissy cares about Vanya and not the car. Yeah. Yeah. She's just like, when are you going to be back? genuine kind of like, you know, care and love. Yeah. And a little bit of that is like, oh my God, like like she's on her own with Harlan for the first time in a month, a couple of months. It's really heartbreaking that she has no other support. Like you see how difficult it is and how much... It's still difficult today for a lot of people. Yeah, it is. And how much it means just to have another person to to be there, to be that support and to help. Defund the police, fund social care. Onwards. (laughs) Here we get to what I think is the most important point of the episode. Mm-hmm. What the fuck is this chewing a mould and why is anyone making it? I'm sorry, I understand it's probably a thing, but at some point in the city, someone go, oh man, you can, you're, you're not gelatin. We've been using to make like fruity jelly and that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking try making it with a bit of like basil and tuna and that. What? No. Yeah, go on. Make a bit of basil and tuna and that. It'll look well sick on your, uh, on your, on your table. I tell you, it looks like shit, mate. <laughs> Looks fucking disgusting. I think we are. But if someone served me some tuna suspended in a weird gel- gelatin mould thing, I'd be like, get out. Get out of my house. But like, it's my house. You've come round. I'd be like, get out of your house. <laughs> but get out now. You've committed a travesty. It's Even disgusting. in your meat eating days. I do not. It's called tuna mould. <laughs> I think we're very family with Lila on this one. Mouldy jumps. Disgusting. I'm sorry, but it does. I, I cannot see that tasting nice. The, the, the textures, jelly. You don't want you, you don't want to eat like tunery tunery fishy flavors that's slimy. Oh, it's actually making me feel quite sick. Is this still okay? People in America, is this still a thing that people do or not? Please, I I need to know. And do you like it? Yeah, because it looks grim. So as if you do, different strokes for different folks. We're vegans. We're not going to eat tuna gelatin. <laughs> Multi tuna. Yeah, and uh, Diego gets up to go anyway, and Lila knocks him down in, in one go, just like smacks him with a broom. Smacks him in his wound. Yeah. But um, you can see that he's really upset because he's like, I was shanked by my own father. Mm-hmm. Is he more upset, do you think, that he got stabbed by his dad or that he wasn't able to beat his dad in the fight? They're both. I think that he, that he wasn't able to beat him man to man, as he says. Yeah, this cheap shot man to man thing. But is that an excuse or a reason? For his feelings. 
I think it's less that he wasn't able to beat him, but more that he feels like Reg has got one over on him and he's back in being like, like he wasn't able to prove himself to him rather than like actually just being like, I wanted to win. Although like, I'm sure that's part of it. And then that leads to Lila opening up about her family and what happened to her. Key plot point. P.S. though, all right, this is what I thought when I watched it the first time and I think Diego should have been thinking the same thing, but he was distracted by his wound and his getting shanked by his father and sexy Lila, fine, whatever. But remember when it was like, where'd you learn to fight like that? Oh, from my mother. And then she's like, my mother was murdered when I was four. Mm, that was alarm bells for me. I'm not saying that you can't then have another like mother figure, but you know. It's a very good point mm-hmm. on both those statements, Mia. Mm-hmm. Um, then they get this, this tension building up and then he gives her a kiss and then she slaps him yeah I haven't like I had mixed feelings about this I thought it was, it was great but also you know she's like what are you doing and he says I don't understand you and mate I'm, here's a rule for you don't just kiss someone like that Especially when, and I get that it was in my like parents a, died. <laughs> Whoa, stop, sir! I get that it was in a flirty way, what, fl- but when no, when she's like, "I don't hate you," like, is it okay that I don't hate you? Like, I hate other people, but that's not a. Is it okay that I can tolerate <laughs> your presence? Oh, my will is out. What are you doing? <laughs> that's that's a that's a jump. Oh my god, um, Fuck. but yeah, I mean, then they. They... Shaga, shaga, shag, shag. <laughs> shaggy the shaggy the shag. My mother listens to this. They get their shag on. <laughs> and poor Elliot's like, ah, put me basil on me mold. Ah, that bloody chucking stuff. That's his bed. You imagine his Elliot just being like, sorry, can you? I had, a, I had a crap night's sleep last night. I was in that fucking chair. Just want to have a nice keep on me bed. Uh... Get the handler in the bath then. She's a weird, looking at pictures of five, it's a weird mood to carry over. Yeah, it is actually. There's a lot of things like this where like the juxtaposition of like certain scenes is like, oh, this being one of them. But also, Josh, right here, this little scene, this very short scene, there's a little lovely little towel hanging on a rail on the side and it's got a little sparrow embossed on it. So there you go. That's it. That's I think I skipped through a bit of this scene because I was a bit bored. There's not a lot going on, it's just... Just her looking at pictures of a child, it's weird. Mm-hmm. A weird tension she has with him. But that's also, I suppose, the other thing that carries over from that previous scene is like, well, we know by the end of the episode that Lila is the handler's daughter, um, like adopted daughter or whatever. And her sleeping with Diego has come about as a result of this plan that the handler is cooking up around five, which is also why we kind of get them together, I guess. Um, yeah, Ruby brings uh, Lou to the location of Alison mm-hmm. and there's a, there's a song here mm-hmm. I fail to prepare in the way Mia does but it says something about doing wrong and getting punished if I ever do you wrong yeah because he's all about punishing himself isn't he Luther especially towards the end of the episode but he's a right martyr mm-hmm. and then Ray finds him and, oh. he, and breaks his heart and then he's like oh, I'm going to eat some chocolate don't you think Tom Hopper in that scene though when he realises when, when Ray's kind of like who are you looking for? Alison Hargreaves? You mean Alison Chestnut? Chestnut. My wife. Tom Hopper, his, his face is great. He's, he's I so- just love this scene. And it's a sad scene, but at the same time, when he's eating stuff and he's... What does he... What does he... Reasonable rates. That's <laughs> yeah. my favourite bit. <laughs> yes, and we've talked about Reasonable this Reasonable rates. We've talked about this a lot before, but when Tom Hopper gets to do these little comedy moments, it is golden, and I love it. And I think also... And he doesn't rely on farts to do it. He doesn't so. rely on farts. It's really sad as well, but they also bring in these comedy bits, because they can, because it's like, it was never meant to be, because even though they're adopted, they're still siblings. So it's not kind of like tragic sad in the same way as like, Banya and Sissy being split up. Yeah, that's true. Luther eating his feelings as, as it kind of comes into again a bit more in the season later is a, another little thing that's pulled from the comics yeah shame he not grow a beard so mm-hmm. in the comics he kind of what happens exactly for why, why it happens but he basically gets fat and old yeah so actually in the comics Diego, Luther and Klaus get sent back to 
the sixties to the Vietnam War, which mm-hmm. is probably what you know, which what influenced the season one. Class has a baby. Yeah. There's a bunch of things. Mm-hmm. My only other thought on this scene was, you know, when he kind of asks, oh, how long have you been married? And Ray says a year, which obviously I guess is for Luther, like, oh, that's a long time. It's serious. But also, also, <laughs> also, um, is Luther it? arrived a year ago. And so I wonder if there's a part of him that's like, if I could have found her then, I could have stopped it. Yep. Could have stopped her having joy. Could have stopped her happiness for my own selfish gains. So it's quite good, actually, as we said earlier, that he was shit at trying to find the others. <laughs> Just kept walking back to an alleyway and crying. Yeah, yeah. Hello, Broly Buddy listeners, our buddies. Brief intermission because it's a long episode. Remember to check us out on social media and give us your thoughts and feelings. Um, we're going to be talking about episode four in a couple of weeks. So if you've got feelings and thoughts about the episode, let us know. The next episode is The Majestic 12. I'm sure you've got a lot of thoughts and feelings. Mm-hmm. Stick them on Instagram, on Twitter. Send us a voice note and you can be in the podcast. Yeah, and just as a reminder, you can find us at Broly Buddies on Twitter and Instagram. So give us a follow, say hi, let us know your feelings. We would love to hear from you. Cool, back to the podcast. So from this point on, we'll just mention it again, there's going to be a lot more of a discussion about racism, discrimination, and police brutality. So just bear that in mind as we move forwards. Yeah, so here we go to the sit-in, the start of the sit-in. I think they really make a point of like showing all the other customers that are in the restaurant at the time, that they're all white. Um, the diner. I the think. diner, yeah, it's a diner, isn't it? But as we've again talked about a bit before a lot in season one particularly you know this show is very concerned with power and how that manifests in different ways and i think allison's act here and the rest of the the group of walking in and this this protest this act of protest is very powerful as an act of protest because it is defying what they've been told that they can do and the expectations and like the the reaction that they will get, and I think it's it's the way it's done and the way it's all all played in this scene it really shows that. And yeah, I just found it very powerful to watch. A long time ago, I read something that said a really good act of protest is to live as if you're free. Mm-hmm. I think this is a prime example of that. Mm-hmm. Well, to behave as if that condition isn't there to kind of like reject. The, the system which is holding you in place. I think it's also really important to know, actually, as we talk about these these bits of the episode, you, you pointed out to me, Mia, that it feels very prescient now. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, actually, this was written prior to, you know, a lot of the Black Lives Matter protests and movements that have come about in the last six months. Yeah. And, you know, we will come on to this a bit later on when there's uh, the, the, the police brutality and stuff. But the Black Lives Matter movement is feels very now, feels very twenty twenty to kind of like capture some of what how it's been how it gets you know this year's been described. But nothing has changed for a lot of people in fifty years, mm-hmm. fifty sixty years, whatever it is. And um, I think it's really important when you're watching this. To, to remember that, you know, this is not something which happened then and has gone away. Otherwise, you wouldn't be seeing the the kind of the situation we, we're kind of living through now. Yeah. But we'll come back to that, um, you know, as we kind of talk about this. For now, let's go to buy some pen. Yeah. So this is when we find out why Klaus came back. And it was to see Dave. It's played a little bit of kind of laughs at times is this scene and then it's suddenly not. I think it does a really good job of switching that around on you. Because, mm. you know, there's a little bit of like humour undone, you know, about him coming back and finding Dave, but it's not really a funny scene. No. Can we talk about also, though, the fact that this is a different actor? 
And when we first, when we were first watching it, I was a bit like, oh, hang on, that's not Dave. What? What's this? Oh. But you pointed out that, you know, joining the army, enlisting, and uh, being in a war will change you a little bit. Probably not that much. Probably not, not that much, no, but, but he seems like a very sweet boy at this point in time. Can I ask a question very quickly? Yeah. You know, like, we have colours now, like eggshell and stuff. Yeah. Is that really that recent? I don't know. I tried to look this up. When did Dulux come out? I feel like eggshell sounds like a Dulux mm, colour. Maybe. I don't know if they have Dulux around the world. I don't know if it's an international company or not. I don't know. But yeah, there wasn't that... Um, eggshell didn't exist. For millions of different, slightly varying shades. Well, you used to have to mix... They did have to mix paint. That's what the machine is, right? Yeah. But I mean, like, they used to have to mix. You wanted a colour that wasn't standard. Mm. They had to mix it and try and figure it out. Whereas now, what, what actually happens now is, I'm saying this based on very little mm. experience, I think there's a machine you can go to and you put the white paint in and then it drops the, the colours in and mixes it to get the shade you want. So it's all pre-programmed. So if you say, I want, you know, you say, Dulux, I want this number, it knows exactly how much to put in of each thing and then mixes it for you. Oh. But you can do that anyway. I'm sure it was a thing when I was like, my teens, which is 15 years ago or something now, so... Yeah, so there's... <laughs> I th- ben in the scene... It feels a little bit like he's not really... I mean, it's difficult, right? Because he seems like he's been really harsh on Klaus. Mm. But at the same time, it's also fair saying it's not fair on Dave to try and do that, like what damage this could do to him. But yeah, cause it, it must be difficult to see like somebody who was like the love of your life and they've died, be able to see them again, but they don't know who you are. Yeah, it's really, really sad. Yeah, I don't know. Ben, I'm not, I, wouldn't, I don't know if I would necessarily say he's insensitive, but I feel like, can wait, Ben, you know? Like, don't have the discussion while he's trying to talk to him because then you're also going to make Klaus look like a crazy person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's not going to go very well. And he doesn't, he doesn't know what Klaus's plan is at this point. And I guess Ben is thinking he just wants to go and rekindle his love or whatever mm-hmm. at, at an early date rather than what he actually wants to do, which is stop him from enlisting. And there's, there's the other, the JFK link that it's the day that JFK dies that he enlists and that's what he told Klaus. But yeah, I don't know. It's a kind of nice little scene. And I think sometimes it's easy to forget as well that Klaus also was in this war and has, like, PTSD from it. Question, which I think we've half discussed before. We now know that Ben can time travel backwards in time with Klaus. Does that mean he was in the war at all? Yeah, this is... I'm I'm not sure. Because he also doesn't seem to have known this thing about Dave. Like, maybe it was that when Klaus was with Dave, maybe when he has that connection with someone else. He wasn't regularly able... He didn't have the same ability at that point either to manifest things in the same way. A lot of that came post-Dave, right? When he started sobering up. Yeah, that's true, actually. Um, And also, who knows if the the briefcase lets him travel in the same way? Because we don't know if that's the case. No pun intended. (laughs) I noticed as well that when Klaus hits the wheel after like you know his big emotional kind of like statement, he hurts his hand. Mm-hmm. It's very appropriate because he's not a fighter. No. I don't think we ever see him actually really do much fighting. He's not very, you know. It's interesting as well that because like Alison learned to fight. Did Klaus just be like no, I'm not doing that? Do you know, that's somebody whose power doesn't require her to be physical. We don't. We don't, do we see Klaus in the bank scene in series one? Don't think we do, do we? I don't know. I, I always try and remember that because like, I have no idea what he would have been doing in it. Um, Farting about. Smoking a joint. Back to the diner. This bit, for some reason, this, this particular bit really got to me. Mm. When we first watched it, mm-hmm. the pouring the salt mm-hmm. on the heads, and there's something about that act that I think I know partly what it is. Mm. And that is that I think traditionally salt was used to purify things. In terms of like witchcraft, or I'm based on like various bits of like TV I've seen, mm. but I feel like in tradition, I think salt has always been used as a purifying thing to draw dirt, evil, whatever you want to call it out. And I think the fact that they then use that on people is what kind of upset me. Like, it really did upset me. Mm-hmm. It's a really difficult scene, like, it is a very difficult scene. Yeah, I think it's also, I read a lot of 
kind of interviews and things about this this scene this whole bit really um about what it was like and what it was like behind the scenes doing it which i would really recommend uh reading as well we'll share some links and things to to various there's some really great materials available now yeah and it's really worth spending some time with them but um yeah, so like one of the things, what you know, there were very specific rules that they had in shooting the scene for all of the extras and for everyone there to make sure it was, it felt like a safe space, I suppose, despite obviously what they were playing out and the things that people could say and do and where the focus of the scene was and um, all kinds of things like that which is really interesting and important as well. Like whenever you have anything like this in any kind of production, I was just really glad to hear, I suppose, that it was the, the way that it was handled and the, the way they set it all up was done in the, in the most kind of sensitive and responsible. A kind, kind way. Responsible and... Empathetic, maybe? Mm. Showing empathy and kindness towards the, the actors, the performers. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's a really, really hard scene to watch and that's us as two white people. Mm. But it's it's awful and it's it's awful because again, we'll come back to this I think in the next scene, but it's awful because it doesn't feel that far away and it's not and it's real. It's not like a it's not like other things in that happen in T V dramas where it's like, Oh, that's a really bad thing that's happening, but it's not it's it's not based in reality. Whereas this is, and it's so like out of step with the like fantastical element of this show. And so it really stands out as well. But then we go from that scene to Luther again in his big fight that Jack was talking about earlier. Being such a sad boy. Such a sad boy. Um, and Vanya and Five arrive. Vanya's just like, oh yeah, sure, this guy from the barn. Okay. <laughs> He's part monkey. Um, not that they know that. So they kind of arrive as Luther's doing his usual like play bit of like pretending to get really like beaten up and like take the punches. And then we see Jack give him the nod that he normally does. But like Luther's distracted. He remembers his interaction with Ray and what's happened with Alison. That is very much at the forefront of his mind. And he decides to go full fight club and he's just like, hit me. I want to feel something. I want to feel something. I want to feel pain. I want to feel pain, but that's afterwards. So we go back to Sattler's, we see that there's like a protest outside as well now, and then we have this conversation between Ray and Alison about Klaus and Luther, which also Miles is paying particular attention to. And it's interesting, this is obviously like already, it's given Ray reason to kind of doubt Alison. She's lied or omitted things. Yeah, particularly with Luther who is obviously like, he's claiming to be her brother and then there's also something else going on there, which is very apparent. And he's also massive, as he describes him, the biggest white boy I've ever seen. Is it now where the owner scolds with hot coffee? Yeah, so they're in the middle of this. Uh, this conversation and the owner pushes his hot coffee towards and spills it onto her. Mm-hmm. So she stands up and that's when the police grab her. Mm-hmm. And it just, yeah all kicks off it's very relevant it's very resonant it's very distressing everything that happens from here because they're they're holding Alison down they're holding Ray down they're beating beating him him. they drag him out to beat him some more and then is it does it does Odessa help Alison get away she like pulls the police officer off or is it no it's a like a random guy runs past and pushes the police officer off when they're inside still oh no i'm thinking about outside Mm. i thought they dragged her out or something no i think one of them helps allison like pulls the policeman off allison she runs out after ray right to try and get them to stop and then some, some random person grabs her and pushes her back. And then mm. another random guy pushes that person off. And then she uses her rumour power, right? Yeah. Which I think both shows the extremity of what she was experiencing. Because she was like, I don't want to use this. And then she's forced to use it. Mm-hmm. Because she is fearing for his life. Yeah. And she's using what power she has in the situation. But it's, it's, really, it's a really horrible scene. Yeah. 
as we kind of talked about earlier, like it, this was released after George Floyd's murder and the sort of resurgence in the Black Lives Matter movement and the coverage of it. So it was released after that, but it was written a long time before that happened. The fact that it is that it feels so relevant is not because oh it was written like after this one thing happened to be it wasn't written to be, to be relevant. relevant it was it was a uh, it was written to reflect the time the yeah. 60s and the pre you know the civil rights movement mm-hmm. and the fact that that is still relevant now shows that nothing has changed really yeah and that's a really horrible thing to have to acknowledge mm-hmm but I think is also some one of the things that makes it even more powerful in a mm. lot of ways. And I think it is very timely for this to be released and for it to be... I think there's been a lot of talk about how this kind of story is on such a broad-reaching platform and how it, has, how it will be reaching so many people at a time when it yeah, really resonates... And is giving that bit more insight into the history of racism, police brutality, white supremacy, or some of it anyway. And there is a lot, there are a lot of other things to kind of further enhance our understanding of all of this, where this is at at the moment. So we will put together a list of resources like interviews about this scene, particularly with Emmy Raver Lampman and anti-racism resources and other things. And we'll put that in the put that on the Instagram link that's normally there so that it hangs around and stays there for people to be able to access and yeah. look at. And it's, it's it's really important, I think. Especially like if, if you are like us and you are two middle class white people living in the UK. Watching this scene feels very distant from what from our experience, but the experience of black and minority ethnic men and women in this country, the UK and in America, that's still a lived experience. And without putting in the effort that's needed, I won't be able to understand or acknowledge the, the reality of that. Yeah. I think it's important to acknowledge and talk about the fact that all of this is ultimately rooted in white supremacy, the whole the system of white supremacy, which as people with white privilege, we are implicitly taught not to see and to ignore and not to understand. And to uphold in some and, cases. And to uphold in everything that we do. And so in order to dismantle that, we need to be aware of it. We need to be aware of all of the ways that we benefit from this system and what that means so after Alison uses her power Ray again sort of building on this break in trust that has happened where he's found out there's all this there's this stuff that he doesn't know about Alison that she has apparently got some very close relationships with some, some white men and maybe the police and so he ends up sort of walking away from her and Klaus pulls Alison away from Raymond. Which also, I guess, is something that in some way foreshadows what happens later in that she has to go with her family in the end. Like, she has to... She always has to go with her family over whatever other life that she's she's got and that she's made, mm-hmm. which is really sad. Should we talk about Luther getting punched? Yeah. And I just want to say that this... Scene like you know what I'm fine with Luther this season, but the way these scenes are together and seeing this from Luther after that last scene feels particularly grotesque. That he's there being like, "Hit me! I want to feel pain after we've just seen." Ray, you know, experienced yeah. police brutality. Ray, amongst others, experienced police brutality, but in particular in this case, I think these two men that both have, you know comparable relationships to Alison. Yeah. And one person is being abused by the state and by white supremacy. And one is an emo sad boy who's feeling bad about himself, so he's getting a big man to punch him in the face before yeah. falling down looking at the moon. Yeah. 
<laughs> when you put it like that. And it's not that's not to say that, you know, what Luther is feeling is not valid or anything, but... It just feels very different that, when they're placed next to each other. That contrast, yeah. Uh, but also, how does his opponent in the fight manage that hit? Because he literally, like, punches him right up into the air. Is he's, that a he, real thing that can happen? I don't know. Yeah. He's a big boy, but so is the other guy. Yeah, but he probably gave a little bit of it with him. <laughs> to the moon! Yeah. <laughs> little jump. Maybe. And then we cut to Lila sneaking out, right? Mm-hmm. We see her going to this, what I assume is an all-night pet shop? A 24-hour pet shop? <laughs> yeah, that's a really good point. Why is this pet shop open so late? Why are people going in there and buying animals at, like, midnight? Yeah, I don't know. Imagine if you run that pet shop and it's, like, really late at night thinking, why am I still open? This is not on. This woman walks in and just goes, dips around in your fish aquarium and then, like, gets something. you like, hold on, what are you doing there? What are you sticking around in my bloody aquarium for? Are you trying to eat a fish? They don't like tapping on the glass. What are they going to think to someone putting their yeah. hand in? She gets out her hotel room key. I'm gonna say, you're going to say, it's a sparrow. You missed a sparrow. No, not yet. Soon. I've seen no bloody sparrows. <laughs> and she goes to the hotel, opens this opens this room up. I suppose at this point, like first watching it, maybe you're like, oh, this is where the handler was. That means there's something like handler related. But it's, yeah, we still don't know what's going on. And... She walks by, you can hear there's police passing, you can hear the protest in the background. She like references it in passing as she walks into the room. Don't see who's in there. Uh, she picks up the room service menu. And on the back of the menu is a sparrow, ladies and gentlemen. Sparrow on your head. Yeah, so there's another sparrow there. And then we get the reveal that the handler is there and that she is Lila's mother. For all intents and purposes. Yeah. Gasp. So with that, we'll be back in two weeks. With episode four, The Majestic 12. Remember, you can send us voice notes and appear in the podcast. And we love to hear what you have to say. And we love to talk about it with you in whatever way we do that. Yes. And it's not just on social media you can find us. You can also drop us an email at brollybuddies at gmail.com. We love getting your emails. We had a lovely email this week from Uriah. Thank you so much for getting in touch. It was really nice to hear from you. And we will be talking about your theory towards the end of the season. Right, I'm going to go make some cookies. Woohoo! Bye-bye, everyone. Until next time.